Welcome back to Win Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. And we're going to start off the podcast looking at the Patriots and, more importantly, their situation involving the running backs and the running backs who are now um, going to have to step up and the running back that got traded. So, let's get started here. So, Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams was injured and was not going to play this season. And so the uh, Rams had a need at the running back because their starter is out, and I think their backup uh, ended up getting out as well. And so the Patriots were a team mentioned by many people as a potential spot for a uh, you know running back trade with uh, the Rams because they had Sony Michelle, James White, J.J. Taylor, Mondre Stevenson, and Damian Harris as your five running backs with Brandon Bolden as the option for special teams slash whatever um and so for the new england patriots it got to a point where the um running back game in new england was so strong that a lot of people thought they could potentially move one of these running backs to get out of having to you know make the tough decision of who's going to stay and who's going to go and so up until now the assumption was that damian harris ramondre stevenson james white were your locks, and then you had Sony Michelle, J.J. Taylor, and Brandon Bolden as question marks. And we didn't know where they were going to go from here with the rest of the running backs, but we knew that there was going to have to be some sort of a decision. Now, the Patriots made what was the best decision they could have, which was a decision I thought they needed to make, which was trading away Sony Michelle. Now, he was a first-round pick. He didn't work out as well. He was kind of the second banana to Nick Chubb in the NFL because Nick Chubb's playing amazing in Cleveland and the Patriots chose Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb. And so for the Patriots right now, they have J.J. Taylor, Brandon Bolden, James White, and Mondre Stevenson, Damian Harris. Mondre Stevenson was a rookie who had two touchdowns in his preseason and two touchdowns in the second preseason game. And so seemed like the odd man out was Sony Michelle, and it seemed like the Rams were a perfect team to kind of go um, for him. And, you know, at this point, it worked out because Patriots got a fifth and sixth round picks in this scenario, basically getting rid of someone who could have easily just been wiped clean and, you know, kind of released um, at the end. So it's two conditional late round draft picks, one in the fifth round, one in the sixth round. And this is a good trade because we have Cam Akers, who is out for the year. We have Daryl Henderson, who is their second leading rusher, is currently day-to-day with a thumb injury. Um, and Raymond Caesis, who is another running back, broke his foot in Saturday's preseason loss to the Raiders. So they did need some help with the running back. I don't know if I want to say Sony Michelle is the greatest running back, but is depth. And when the Patriots had enough running backs to work with, then we get the situation where you didn't really need Sony Michelle into the fold. And it didn't really make sense to keep him around because he wouldn't really uh, be needed at all. And so for them, this move makes a ton of sense. And yeah, they had a lot of running backs and now they're in their, uh, their good spot. And so I think Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White, and J.J. Taylor are going to be your four guys um, right there. Um, And so maybe Brandon Bolden gets a spot. Most likely, he probably won't. You'll have James White and Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, who are your three core 
um, running backs, and then J.J. Taylor will be more of a fourth string slash um, maybe he's deuce kick returns, punt returns, because I do see a bunch of kick return, punt return um, stuff this preseason so far. I know uh, Gunnar Eslowski is going to be the guy punt returning, but we could see J.J. Taylor kick return um, as well and then just be sort of that running back option if injuries occur or something else happens. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they go with this. And so I'm not complaining about the move. I think it's, you know, a great one for uh, both sides. Um, and it's a cheap option. So you're not going after a big running back. This is a cheaper option. You're not spending all this money. And I don't see uh, how this could be uh, a bad move. If he doesn't work out, it's just more depth for their team. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty... Uh, pretty solid uh pretty solid situation um and i think it's uh, one that makes a ton of sense so now the patriots have a bunch of question marks at various positions most notably with Nikhil harry at the wide receiver do they keep him do they move on and um i think um they're probably gonna see what's out there he's not the best but i think they're gonna you know see what's um what's looking um, what is out there to look for. Um, I don't really see um, any crazy situation take place. And so looking at where they sit with all of their positions and who's now going to be sort of in the group, Mac Jones is your starter, I think, on day one. Cam Newton's kind of going to be shaky, and uh, he might be injured. He might not. He's been missing um, five days or a little bit more than that. And so um, Mac Jones has stepped up. I think he's going to start Cam Newton off the bench. Brian Hoyer's not going to be here, maybe practice squad, because uh, Jared Stidham's PUP. And as I said before, the running back situation, Damian Harris, James White, Sonny Michelle, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor. Um, Sonny Michelle got traded, so Damian Harris, James White, Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor are your four, plus Jacob Johnson is the fullback who's going to be here. Um, and that's where we're at. So that is their situation. The tight ends, I think we have uh, John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, Devin Asai, and Dalton Keene, who is on the IR. So you have three tight ends. You know, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry are your starters, and Devin Asai is the backup, just kind of sitting there um, as a, a third option. Now, with the receivers, I think they're going to go with Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, um, Nelson Aguilar, um, Gunnar Azalowski, and I don't think Nikhil Harry is going to make this team. I think they're going to go with uh, Kristen, Kristen Wilkerson, um, and I think he is going to be sort of the backup. I think either Harry is going to get released or traded. Um, I don't see him sticking around. Now, the offensive line, I think you have Isaiah Wynn. Michael Onwanyu, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Trent Brown, Ted Karras, Justin Haran, and Yojini Kajus. So that's uh, your guys there. I think um, James Frentes is not going to make the team. I think William Sherman will uh, practice squad, and Alex Redmond could be a practice squad as well. Then we have the safeties um, next, uh, which is Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, Miles Bryant, and... Cody Davis are um, here. Um, I think Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, and Miles Bryant are your, your guys who are sticking around. 
and um, that safety's uh, free safety, strong safety. Cornerbacks, um, I think starting it off, J.C. Jackson and um, Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, JoJuan Williams, Michael Jackson, and Stephon Gilmore is on the PUP. And so I think Michael Jackson will be um, on the roster to start, and then when Gilmore comes back, he will get released or practice squatted to me. Outside linebackers, we have Matthew Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Josh Yucci, Chase Vinovich, Ronnie Perkins. Uh, I don't see any uh, changes there. We could see Chase Vinovich get traded, which that's something that's been thrown around, but I don't think that's going to happen. Inside linebackers, we have um, Tanta Hightower, Juwan Bentley, and Cameron McGrone. Uh, he is right now non-football injury, but he could be um, someone who... Uh, who could, uh, you know, stick around um, after the uh, non-football injury. And so I think he's going to make the team as well um, for that. And then the defensive line, we have Devon Godchuk, Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise, Christian Barrymore, and Henry Anderson, who are making the team. I think Carl Davis will be just left off the uh, the list along with Akeem Spence. Um, and that's where they are there. And then we have... Nick Folk, Jake Bailey, Joe Zarnota, Justin Bethel, and Matthew Slater, who are all special teams. And maybe Quinn Norton is a practice squad guy. If something goes wrong with Nick Folk, he knows the system. But I don't expect him to be the starter on day one, and I don't expect Nick Folk to lose this job. I think Nick Folk was out for a while, and Quinn Norton kind of showed us he's about 50-50. Um, and I don't know if that's good enough, right? And so maybe he is there for protection if something goes wrong. He sits on the practice squad. But for the moment, Nick Folk's got the job, and I don't see why um, why that's going to change at all. So, yeah, that's where, um, that's where that is. And um, I think that's kind of where, uh, where things sit. So looking at, you know, I think everything going on, there is uh, a lot to talk about with the Red Sox. The Red Sox are currently in the second spot in the wild card. They are a team that, for one reason or another, hasn't been able to have as good of a season as of late as they would have wanted. They started out as a very good team, number one seed, and things went from pretty good to not as good. Now they're kind of fighting for kind of that last spot Um if you will, and as much as, you know, if you feel like, hey, maybe uh, something's going to change and things will get better, right now they're fighting with, um, they are fighting with um, the uh, Oakland A's for that last sort of uh, spot uh, in the wild card. And the Yankees have been playing about as good of a situation as they can uh, can make, um, and so for me, it's really one of those situations where it's going to be hard to beat the Yankees. It's it's going to be very hard to beat the Yankees because of the way things are going with them. And so to me, I don't think the Yankees are going to to waver, and I think the Red Sox are just going to be a, a shade short. And as much as I want to, you know, talk about how they're going to be like. Um, great and they're going to be you know playoff team I think it's going to be tough to beat the Yankees in a playing game and I think that um it's one of those things where 
Um, you know, they're going to have to really put on their A game. Their pitchers have been okay, nothing special. Matt Barnes hasn't been the greatest closer. I think Kyle Schwarber's coming in. And while I like the fit, I don't know where he goes here because they don't have a first baseman, and that was their biggest need. And it just doesn't seem like, um, you know, it's one of those things where he would have played first and stepped in. He has no experience there. He can play left field. He can catch. He could have played designated hitter. I just don't see it working. And so at the end of the day, um, to me, he will be a good playoff bat, and that's great to have. But I don't know if he's going to be the best positional fit. And, um, you know, I think um, there really isn't a spot to put him unless you put him in the outfield for one of the other guys because I think Christian Vasquez is sticking around to catcher for the moment, you know. And so the Red Sox are in a tough situation because they are um, just kind of rolling um, with it. And I think uh, things are going well, and I think they'll be, you know, one of those two finalists for the playoffs, there'll be a wild card slot, and they'll probably lose to the Yankees, which is not what I want to see, but I think that's just kind of where things are going. So, moving on to some Celtics news. So, for the Boston Celtics, we'll start with this. Kevin Garnett is getting his number retired this season against Dallas, a home game. And this is going to be a big deal because number five is going into the rafters. And there are some people who wonder, A, why he's getting his number retired in Boston, and B, why is he getting his number retired in Boston when the Minnesota Timberwolves have not done the same. Now, Kevin Garnett does have a lot of issues with um, Gerasas Rosa, who's the guy uh, who's um, who was in charge of this team. Now, um, I don't know if that's going to be the case with um, A-Rod and company taking over, but... Um, you know, KG has said he doesn't want his number retired if that's the guy in charge. And there's been a lot of bad blood there. And when it comes to Kevin Garnett, you know, I think a lot of people see him in Boston because of his championship ring and because of his success there and making the finals twice. And there's a lot of things that he's done in Boston that make him, you know, a big part of Celtics history. And obviously, he's been an all-star for all of his career in Boston and was a great defensive player and was a big piece and was just someone who, in my opinion, had a Hall of Fame career and deserves sort of that recognition. Um, and to be honest with you, if I look at the Celtics and I look at their team, Kevin Garnett still has a great relationship with a lot of those players, with Doc Rivers, with Paul Pierce, with Rondo, with, you know, uh, Glenn Davis and Kendrick Perkins and obviously the issue with Ray Allen is still there because there was a picture posted of Garnett, Rondo, uh, Pierce and Ray Allen. I think it was an all-star picture and Ray Allen's picture was cut out. Now there are a lot of Celtics fans who think Ray Allen doesn't deserve the credit because he left and went to Miami and Ray Allen actually did um, a pizza review if you watch the Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy does pizza reviews. Ray Allen was one of them, and he talked about it. And Ray Allen was like, I don't see why fans getting upset. Miami was the only spot that offered me a contract, which is total horse poop because a bunch of teams offered him a contract. And I don't remember which ones. I know Memphis was one of them. But in the end of the day, the Miami Heat, their offer was the same as Memphis and as every other team that was interested. Boston could have offered two years, $6 million. The Heat was one year, $3 million. And so 
Obviously for Garnett, it's still a little salty because he came in, won a championship, they were a team. And then you lose to Miami and you leave and go to Miami. And so if you're Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and a lot of these Celtics players, uh, Rondo, uh, etc., you have sort of this salty taste in your mouth because he left and went to the enemy. That's like Kevin Durant leaving OKC and going to Golden State. You know, obviously he wanted to ring chase, and that's fine, but it is what it is, and you get a little upset, right? The Oklahoma City fans got a little upset when KD went to the rival. Celtics fans got upset when Ray Allen left and went to Miami. And so, obviously, for business reasons and basketball reasons, he made the right choice, but Garnett, I guess, is still a little upset, and, I mean, how can you blame him? But getting his number retired, number five, it's, it's needed because he's a Hall of Famer, and he got his number retired. Pierce got his number retired. He's going to be a Hall of Famer this upcoming Hall of Fame class. And so these are two guys who were a big part of Celtics history. And, you know, for years, the Celtics were just terrible. Throughout the 90s, the early 2000s, they got Paul Pierce. And it was about, you know, close to being a situation where he was just like, I'm, I'm done. And then Doc Rivers and Danny Ainge and the whole situation took place where they got Ray Allen for a very good price. And then they traded for Garnett, which was a very good price. And they got a super team here, and it worked, right? It also helped that they had Rondo. So I was watching a while ago, but you can find it anywhere, is uh, a 2008 championship video of the Celtics, and it was on TV. At the time, Kevin McHale was running the show in Minnesota, and his piece that he wanted more so than anything was Al Jefferson, who at the time was a budding young center. And it talked about how that was the biggest piece and how that was what made the deal and how they really didn't care as much about the other stuff. And that's really what, uh, you know, McHale really wanted. And in the end, the Celtics got a pretty good deal. They got to keep Rondo and they had a good championship team. And so, you know, Kevin Garnett was a big part of Boston and, you know, what they've done. And so congrats on getting your number retired. Now, in terms of sort of the other... Um, you know, uh, situation in the Celtics right now. What are the Celtics going to do? What is sort of their next steps? And for the Boston Celtics, you know, I think that there's um, a lot of different ways that they can go with their um, situation. They added in um, Josh Richardson to a longer deal. They added Robert Williams and Marcus Smart to a longer deal. And so what the uh, Boston Celtics have done so far has, has been pretty good for this offseason. They've made some very good decisions. And the way things have gone, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, looking at a great situation. And I think that at least for one season, we're going to get to see what Tatum and Brown can do as the stars and the starters and the ones who, um, you know, kind of just are the, the right players. And, you know, I think if things go right, that's great. If they don't, then they can move on. There was an article posted by Bleacher Report, which it came from Greg Schwartz. And he wrote, bold predictions for the NBA's top five trade targets. And his trade target piece here, one of the things in it was Damian Lillard starts the season with Blazers traded to the Celtics before Christmas. So I guess the question is this. Um, he talks about how, um, you know, he's going to start the season but then get traded to Boston, which it would be centered around Jalen Brown 
and other young talent, Aaron Nesmith, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, available to sweeten the deal as well. So the question that I have is why would the Celtics make this move unless there's a bigger plan in place to get Bradley Beal and to get, you know, someone like a Damian Lillard? Because you'd be trading away Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard, who's 31, and he's a great player, but who knows how long he has at that level, right? And so if the package, let's say the Celtics trade Jalen Brown and they trade away Aaron Nesmith and Grant Williams and a first-round pick. Because I think Jalen Brown's very, very good, and you don't have to add as much into this as um, as you would for other situations. So let's just say that's our package, and we're left with Marcus Smart, Tatum, Damian Lillard, Al Horford, and you have uh, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, Josh Richardson, Robert Williams, and Dennis Schroeder, and whatever's left over. Let's say they keep around Chris Dunn and these other guys because they have uh, roster spots needed to be filled. And so that's your team. You know, that's the basis of your core. That's a good team. It's a better team than um, you have now. But if there's a way for the Celtics to get Damian Lillard with some sort of a package like this, and then on the offseason, sign and trade Bradley Beal for a deal surrounding Al Horford, Josh Richardson, maybe Romeo Langford, and some draft picks, then you could have Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. You could have Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and a bunch of great role players. That's a championship team because you've elevated yourself from Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum to Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. And you have Jason Tatum, who's an all-star. Three all-stars, Marcus Smart. That's a pretty good, pretty good lineup, right? And I think in that case, Bradley Beal would have to play the three. So you'd have a very small ball, point guard, shooting guard, shooting guard lineup. And then you would have Tatum at the four with Robert Williams. I think if this is true and his assumption is that Brad Stevens lands um, you know, Damian Lillard in a trade, then maybe that's something that gets Bradley Beal talking. And maybe this is a move that the Celtics make just because Maybe Jalen Brown's a better player, but this entices you know Bradley Beal to come along because he has Tatum, he has Damian Lillard, he has a good coach, and I think that's something that would really work. And so if this is true and this is the case and this is what happens, then I wouldn't be surprised that the Celtics do this. But I don't know if the Celtics will do this just because I feel like um, they're not 100% keen on moving Jalen Brown. And I wouldn't move Jalen Brown in any scenario unless there's a future which includes Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal coming here. And I don't know if uh, Bradley Beal's available. I don't know if Damian Lillard's available. And we'll see. But if this is the case and the Celtics do trade away Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard, there's got to be something more in here. And maybe, you know, re-signing or I should say extending Josh Richardson for another year and having Marcus Smart and Robert Williams extended is giving the Celtics options, and so if they do make a trade for Damian Lillard, they can throw a player or two in and have other guys left over and then make another trade for Bradley Beal, have players left over. So, you know, this is probably not going to happen, but if it does, I wouldn't be surprised, and it's a pretty good situation. So um, we'll see what happens there.